The Rouge Report is brought to you by Young's Equipment, your case IH dealer in Southern Saskatchewan. Young's is home to a wide selection of new and used case IH combines to meet your needs for any size farm. Their experienced technicians and wide selection of parts will keep you running all season. Go to youngs.ca and use the podcast code ROUGE, R-O-U-G-E, for your chance to win a writer's prize package. Welcome to the Rouge Report, presented by Young's Equipment. I'm Cody Fajardo. And I'm Isaac Harker. Follow along as we tackle CFL topics one point at a time. Rough Rider Podcast. Welcome into the 10th episode of the Rouge Report. We have a very special guest today, but before we get to Mr. Andy Fantuz, I uh, just want to kind of catch up with Isaac a little bit. Uh, Isaac, the season, the delays, what's going on in your mind? If you're in charge, are you calling it quits or are you trying everything you can to make a season happen? Well, first off, I want to congratulate us on making it to double digit episodes who would have thought huh who would have thought (laughs) absolute absolute blast never in my wildest dreams did i think we'd make it to 10 episodes (laughs) yeah (laughs) as long as we have one listener out there we'll continue to pump these out (laughs) absolutely so if you're if you're the only one watching just make sure to be vocal and we'll keep doing it we'll cater it exactly to you yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) you'll just be like our friend (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Might as well get that one listener on, you know, and just do a trio podcast. That, that, that would be so much fun. <laughs> but then just like getting to, to know somebody live. Who's listening to that though? If he's the old, if that's the only person listening, <laughs> no one's listening. We just lost our entire viewer base. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh, but but man. More serious note. What are you thinking? Dude, I don't even I don't know what to say. I'm just really sad. I know. The scary I, part is the NCAA is starting to cancel their stuff, right? You yeah. came, uh, I think the Big Ten and Pac-12 came out and said that they're not going to play. And so I, I came out on the road, radio and said, at this point, we need to put all of our chips into making sure the league's around for 2021. So if we're you know, spreading ourselves too thin, trying to make a 2020 season, I don't think it's worth it for six games, You know, a rushed thing with no fans. Um, it's just not the same, and that's not what CFL football is. So I might as well, at this point, we're already this deep into the year. You might as well scrap it and uh, look forward to 2021 and making it the best CFL year we can possibly have. The, the range of emotions I've experienced in like the past three weeks have been insane because like leading up to the first initial deadline, I was like, like so anxious to hear the news. And then they're like, okay, it's going to be a week later. And then you're like, okay, okay. One more week of waiting on pins and needles, like checking the news every like hour, trying to figure stuff out, waiting for word from the PA and and everything. So it's kind of been like, it's been taxing for sure in the past few weeks, just trying to understand what's going on. Cause if you don't have like skin in the game and you're not in the negotiations, you're just kind of left to wait, you know? Yeah. For me, I talked to Laura about this the other day. I said, look, I'm over giving myself anxiety and getting all worked up about it at this point. There's no such thing as a deadline anymore. When they tell me, they tell me I'll be ready. But, uh, 
I'm not going to check my phone as I found myself on social media so much recently and I hate doing that. Um, yeah, dude, it was toxic for me too. Cause I was just like checking Twitter, checking Twitter, checking Twitter. Cause that's where I feel like most of the news was coming from. Yep. And Twitter's kind of like a toxic platform anyways. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> especially with everything is here in the U S it's like, you can't go on social media without seeing something negative or, you know, sad or something like that. I'm just like, man, I need some positivity in my life. And for me, you know, I went down to SoCal for my brother's uh, baby shower. His wife is due on September 24th. And so little baby Sophie should be here. Um, got to see my, uh, family i went golfing and not to scare the rider fans because i'm all good now but i got out of the car and i'm walking to the clubhouse and i step on it was like a top of a fence post and I, <laughs> I, it punctures through my shoe through my sock and into my foot and it's one of those things where you step on it and you're like oh shoot like you feel it <laughs> penetrate. And whenever you have shoes on, you never expect something to go through your foot. Right. And so like, yeah, I was kind of nervous. Like, I'm like, what is at the bottom of my foot? I had no idea what it was. And I looked down and, it, and it's like a fence post. And so I, I pull it out. And meanwhile, I got a tea time and I got to be there in like 15 minutes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a mess. So I pull it out. I take my shoe off and you know, I'm bleeding pretty decent. Um, I sprint to the first tee box because we're up and I hit a pretty decent shot for how panicked I was. And Laura <laughs> was on me. She's like, what are you doing playing golf? You need to get that thing cleaned right now. And so luckily I have her in my life or else I would have just played the 18 holes and not cleaned it. So I went to the clubhouse. They had some Neosporin and some Band-Aids. So I put that on. I was completely panicked like the whole 18 rounds because the last time I had a tetanus shot, the, the, the um, fence post kind of had a little rust on it. So I was a little worried. Last time I had a tetanus shot was in 2010 and those things last 10 years. And <laughs> a right decade ago. College. Yeah. <laughs> right before I went to college. So here I am, you know, gutting it out, 18 holes, bloody sock, Kurt Schillings, you know, glimpse wow. of that. <laughs> Real gutsy performance. Yeah, gutsy performance by me. I shot an 85. So Rider fans, like I'm, I'm healthy. I'm good enough to go. Um, I drive on my way back. I'm playing with my cousin Zach, and I'm like, dude, can you just take me to urgent care? I need to get a tetanus booster shot. And I was so worried that, like, the coat with all the COVID stuff, that it was going to be so packed. I walked in. That place was a ghost town. I, uh, <laughs> I brought the fence post with me just in case they needed to see it. But uh, <laughs> here's the, lady, the guy who did it. Yeah, the lady's <laughs> like, "What are you doing? Like, wh what is that?" I was like, "Oh, that's what I stepped on." She's like you brought it i was like i don't know maybe you guys wanted to see it or what she's like no you just sounds like a seinfeld episode dude <laughs> yeah she's like you just need to get the tetanus booster shot and i'm like okay so i walk i'm in. just wondering where you're golfing at that just has rusty fence posts like yeah. guarding all the tee boxes like moats it was a good it was a good course it was hot but it was in socal and like everybody is golfing in california because that's like the only recreational thing you can do right now so mm -hmm. we could it was so hard to get a tee time so we had to drive about 45 minutes out of our way to get this tee time but yeah what a great way to start the day and then on top of that yeah. people people are waiting on you because yeah. they're, they're just like this amateur he stepped on the fence post everybody knows that's there everyone knows to avoid the fence post this guy must be a newbie <laughs> so I, I actually tee off and i tell my cousin like don't hold the guys up so drive up i run to the clubhouse and then i run all the way to my tee shot and like my heart's pumping and we're playing we had a twosome and so we were playing with two random guys and they're probably like what the heck is this guy doing <laughs> You know, <laughs> anyways, feel good now. It's all healed up. I can walk, I can run, Sometimes. I can throw. So 
sometimes you play better when you got a little bit of pain because you're focusing on that instead of like overthinking stuff. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely what happened. I missed five par putts though by like, you know, Oof. two or three inches. So I could have, I could have probably shot low eighties. Did you hear the uh, hot mics going on at the, yeah, at the event yesterday? My, so much fun. My favorite thing about that is that's every golfer out there. Every, even amateur, I mean, amateurs do it the most, but like to see these pro guys do it, like, uh, I forget who it was, but he, you know, he cussed and he's like, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, I say that <laughs> all the time. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. That was dead at it, you know? So it's good mm-hmm. to be, I mean, golf's one of those games that you hitting par is like, okay, I'm right there with the pros. You know, it's something that you can do in an amateur sport and feel like you're as close to the pros. You can't go out in your backyard and get, you know, 11 on 11 football and play, (laughs) you know, legit professional football. So golf, I think that's why a lot of people like it is because the amateurs feel a lot more, you know, pro-esque when they hit pars and birdies and and fun shots. Mm -hmm. And I feel like anybody who has a problem with the hot mics is like, they're not really viewing it anyways. They just saw it on Twitter. So now they feel the need, but they're not watching it anyway. So it doesn't really, I don't think it matters that much. Yeah. And the, and the, it's, it's the people that are scrolling through their Twitter and someone retweets it and it's like kind of funny. And then someone takes it too sensitive and then it just blows up in this whole fiasco. So, I mean, even mm-hmm. in baseball, you can hear everything they said. I think yesterday the A's and the um, Astros had like an all out yep. brawl and you can see hear everything they're saying. And, and that's cool. I mean, that's a, an experience we'll never get again. Like only in a situation like, this where you get to hear all that stuff and that's why (laughs) i'm curious about football because you know a football field we've played it for as long as you know since i've been six and you know all the banter that goes on back and forth the trash talk on the field and i don't know if they're gonna allow that because some of the crazy things guys say on the field is way worse than these baseball and golf and nba players i've heard some of the strangest combination of words in my entire life while playing on a football field (laughs) do you have any in mind (laughs) um i've got one so we were playing at minnesota when i was at indiana state and i handed it off to the running back and he makes a defensive lineman miss and i'm just kind of in the backfield and i hear him say f me in my goat a (laughs) (laughs) what yeah in a goat a In in his goat a he said, F oh. me in my goat A. Oh my. <laughs> I was like, what? That's one way to get you off your game, though, because now you're thinking about that <laughs> sentence the whole time, and you're like, what does that mean? Like, well, <laughs> I don't understand what this guy means, but he's obviously upset. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, somebody, I have upset you, and I am sorry. <laughs> yeah that's that's oh, crazy some of the trash talk. i can't remember off the top of my head i just like to smile when guys tra- trash talk me i like to smile because when you don't say anything back i found it gets underneath their skin and now their whole mind game was to get me out of my game but because i smile or laugh it off now i got them in their head thinking like oh man you know i gotta say something better and now they're thinking about that and they're not thinking about football and so i'm just playing this like reverse psychology on them by just laughing or smiling (laughs) simone was pretty brutal in my very first game playing at hamilton he was pretty brutal he was in my ear for majority of the time i was out there oh yeah simone's one of the biggest trash talkers he told me i couldn't throw he's like uh in that game he's like oh yeah there's a quarterback that can't throw the ball you know and then you know the year goes (laughs) on and 
Here you go, Simone. <laughs> it's just one of those he, things that adds fuel to the fire, you know? He, he told me the JV field was down the street. <laughs> that's good, though. See, that's good banter. When you, when you say something like that, that's fine. But don't attack somebody's talent. Like, obviously, they're talented to play in the CFL. But, like, just, like, little remarks like that or something about your size or something like that, that's fine. I'll, I'll handle yeah, he's that. Like, he's like, hey, this is Zach's, this is Calero's little brother. <laughs> oh, that's great. But the best part was my very first drive we went all the way down inside the five so after that he kind of chilled out on it and i was like yeah buddy that's yeah. right <laughs> yeah, let, the, let the play do the talking you know <laughs> for sure so exactly. yeah with, uh, i mean without further ado we're gonna have uh the man himself andy fantuz coming up here on episode 10 i hope you guys enjoy uh this interview on the rouge report all right we're uh here with First round pick in 2006, 2007 Grey Cup champ, and a 2010 CFL All-Star, Andy Fantuz. Welcome into the Rouge Report. Appreciate you coming on. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, how are, it's a pleasure to be yeah, here. How are things going for you? Uh, quarantine life and retired life, I guess. Uh, how's uh, life without football going? Uh, you know what? It's it's going all right. It's obviously a little weird these past few months, uh, which I'm sure it is for everybody. But I'm enjoying my my next chapter of my life and my family, uh, and I'm still involved in a lot of athletics. So um, I'm keeping in touch and still still be keeping in touch with a lot of a lot of my old teammates, and uh, I still follow the league. So uh, it's good. It's exciting to have sports back on on TV at least, so I can you know get a little bit excited for the hopefully upcoming season. No doubt. Yeah. I, I got to ask, have you had a bowl of Fantu's flakes recently? <laughs> uh, no, I haven't. They, I think they expired about 10 years ago. So it's probably <laughs> did that, but I did, I, I did. Um, so I'm working with these, these youth football uh, kids in, in, in my area here. And we had a little contest last um last Tuesday where the prize was actually a box of fantasy Oh, that's so awesome. We had nine kids uh, pretty eager to get their hands on it. And then a young gentleman named Kyle ended up taking it home. Do so. you have a bunch of boxes like in your basement or something and just storing them for the good times? <laughs> <laughs> Originally I did. It was part of my deal. I had them, I had them set. I told them they need to send 20 cases of each, of each, uh, uh, what's it called? Addition back to my parents' house. Mm-hmm. I personally down to like two boxes now and I have about 20 flats like without the cereal in them. So mm-hmm. I'm running low, but they're, uh, they've moved houses a few times. So they're getting a little bit beat up. <laughs> <laughs> Been traveling yeah, across I've, Canada I've, as much as I have probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I've kept, I kept a couple in the, in the, in the case, nice and, uh, nice and clean. So I'll have those forever, but love it. my giveaways are almost out. <laughs> So, so growing up in Canada, obviously, and being a, a football guy, what what CFL team did you follow when you were young? Well, I was uh, I was pretty close to the border, so we at the time we saw mostly uh, NFL on TV. So mm-hmm. I wasn't too familiar with the CFL until I got to um, college. But uh, my dad was a, a Ticat fan, so mm-hmm. uh, I, guess that, I guess I would say that was my team. But, um, yeah, we were only an hour, less than an hour from Detroit. So, uh, and I actually grew up a Chiefs fan. So I finally, uh, that finally paid off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, so I guess I'd say Hamilton being my hometown team, but I, I didn't really know too much about CFL until, until college. 
which I'm a little bit embarrassed about. So when you were, did you have any uh, NFL players that you were kind of like modeling yourself after? Or like who, who were your favorite receivers that you were watching? Uh, Tony Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. And um, as far as probably my favorite, favorite player growing up. And then one of my favorite receivers was Andre Risen. Because uh, he was on the Chiefs when I started watching them, uh, and he actually played up in the CFL too for for a bit. But uh, yeah, I'd say Tony G was who I modeled after. Some people used to compare me to Ed McCaffrey, but I don't know if that was just because I was white, <laughs> a white receiver. <laughs> yeah, the classic six four white receiver comparison. Yeah, yeah. I just exactly. I just remember getting in the league and uh, all the veteran guys said that you had Mickey Mouse hands because you'd wear those white gloves and your hands I, I guess are so huge <laughs> and it's like when you go to Disneyland you put on those Mickey Mouse gloves uh, so it, being six four and that like is that just what you knew I was going to be a receiver growing up and uh, or did you play other positions um, growing up through through um, elementary school. Uh, I was always pretty skilled at catching and uh, the big hands had a big, uh, big part of that, of course. Um, but I only, I started playing football in high school and I played, I played receiver mostly on offense, a little bit of quarterback. And then I played defense as well. But I, I, I knew like receiver was, was where I kind of belonged if I was going to progress further. Yeah. Did you play so, any other sports growing up? Well, yeah, I played a ton of sports. I was big, big into basketball. I played uh, competitive soccer, hockey, volleyball, wow. uh, track, badminton. Um, but I would say Jack of all trades. No hockey? Yeah, ho- I played hockey up until competitive up until I started playing football because it was the same time of year. Oh, wow. Okay. Ball. Being so, six four on skates would be so intimidating for everybody else. <laughs> Just like murking everyone. <laughs> or six yeah, four badminton. <laughs> How was badminton? I, 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 I got to hear. Give me a good story about your badminton days. Uh, badminton, okay. Uh, well, I played in. Uh, it, I, I learned it in grade school, but I played in high school, and it wasn't. It wasn't like there was too many players playing, but the ones who were playing were pretty skilled. And in a small town like Chatham, it was like I was playing against the same guys I'd be playing in that were on the all-star team in like basketball and and in football, you know. Mm-hmm. So. All the athletes kind of played all the sports, but I did go to like OFSA, which is the provincial championship. And uh, the only person that was better than me, well, not, no, sorry. There was a lot of people better than me at OFSA um, from the Toronto area, but the only person locally was uh, probably my brother, to be honest. Really? So you guys probably had some heated battles at the house. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He was a little more, a little more skilled than I was. And I was just a little more athletic, but um yeah, it's a fun game, but you know, like I'm a, I love ping pong too, and I think I'm oh. pretty good at it until, until you watch, you know, the, the Olympics. <laughs> stuff. Probably can't even hit one shot back. So crazy. I thought I was pretty good. Then I played Isaac, and he just beat me down. So I got humbled pretty <laughs> fast. Quarterbacks are always pretty good. I was, uh, I don't know if you ever played against Dressler or Bag or Getzlaff, if they were there when you guys were there, or no. they were before your time. Before, yeah, no. be- yep, before us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we how many that. times did it uh, come to blows between you and your brother just playing like one-on-one basketball and stuff? <laughs> uh, when we were younger, he he certainly put me through the drywall a bunch of times playing. <laughs> <mini-tick>. <laughs> we didn't get too violent playing playing uh, hoops. He wasn't big hooper. It was uh, mm-hmm. he was he was more into hockey and all his buddies. So they were, and he was older than me. So they, I would try to keep up, but my. Uh, 
we've repaired a bunch of holes in the wall at the, at the my old my old house for sure. So growing up, you only had uh, one older sibling, your brother. Yeah, just so my one older brother. I had two younger brothers and a younger sister. Oh wow, so pretty okay. big family. Yeah, pretty yeah. big family. Almost got a starting five right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, so I, I kind of want to fast forward just a little bit to pro career because I mean you had a great CIS career and held a lot of records, won a lot of awards. I'm sure your trophy cases filled to the brim. But in 2006, I was curious about this. I was looking things up about you. In 2006, you had one rush. And it was a rushing touchdown for zero yards. And I'm just, how is that possible? Can't they give you one yard for, you know, for the touchdown? <laughs> that was my first career touchdown, actually. Oh, I, ah, so, I, I knew it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't what you would think. So we hit, our quarterback was Kerry Joseph. And uh, he was running the ball, like scrambled. And he was running the ball into the end zone. And I was trying to go to make a block for him. And someone knocked it out, so he fumbled it into the end zone, and I and I jumped on it. So and that's your first uh, CFL it, touchdown, right there. That was my first CFL touchdown. Did you keep the ball? And then later that game? That also led into your first receiving touchdown, didn't it? Later on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I kept the ball there, and then later on in the game, we went into overtime against BC, and uh, and then Kerry found me in the end zone and. Uh, and won the game so that was a pretty exciting day for me oh yeah so w- what what route was your first touchdown on uh i think it was shoot i it was either a corner route or it was like a go and then i scrambled and kind of ran like a comeback corner kind of thing where he found mm-hmm. me on the sideline um on the wide side i believe but i don't quote me on that I, <laughs> I, <laughs> oh it's on tape now <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so fun, fun first uh, first experience for me in the end zone. But yeah, so did you keep both those balls from the game, or were you like, ah, oh, I don't need this recovery touchdown. I'll keep the touchdown pass. No, I think I kept the recovery one because uh-huh. that was the one I brought to the bench. And then uh, I believe when I scored the one in the end in overtime was when I started doing my whole uh, punt the ball in the fans or throw in the fans kind of thing. So. That was <laughs> What I was known for throughout my career. So I'd always you tainted the Hamilton Tiger Cats because when I talked to Zach last year, he said that the equipment guys were so upset with you guys because you and Tasker and, and all those guys, every time they scored, they'd throw it in the stands or punt it in the stands. And they were running out of footballs, they said, because you guys were scoring so often. So did the equipment guys ever come to you and be like, hey, if you keep doing this, we're going to have to charge you for the ball? Uh, well, we had a pretty good relationship with them, uh, and I, I did ask um, these, like the CEO and the the coach, about that one time. And he said, "Hey, as long as you keep scoring, you can punt the ball." I don't care. So <laughs> they uh, they wanted to play. He said it fires everyone up on the team, so I love it. Yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah. Talking about Grey yeah. Cups, so you went to three Grey Cups, right? You won one in, in 2007, and then you appeared in, in two more in 2010 and 2013. Um, I want to talk about the 2000, 2007 Grey Cup first. You scored a touchdown uh, in the fourth quarter. Is that your favorite touchdown of your career, you think? Yeah, I would say, yeah. Uh... For sure. Yeah, just the eruption. Was, uh, yeah, take me through. Like, take me through what you were thinking pre-snap. Did you know you were you primary on the read, or uh, just kind of just folded in and you kind of lucked out, or just take me through it? So, just to back up, I, I played in five great cups, but um, oh, five. anyway, Dang, so, okay. 
So that route was a route that we, at the time we called it Ohio, but it was sort of like a dig from, uh, from number three, but a banjo release, banjo release dig. So we kind of had a, a triangle set up where it's a shake and then a, and then a dig and then a, and then a curl outside. Okay. Okay. And, uh, I was going and it was man to man. And I remember at, at the time I had like a pretty nasty sort of three piece, uh, shake at the top of my routes to go, to go kind of in or out. Yeah. And I totally like opened up this guy, um, at 12 yards. So I got a lot of separation and then carry, carry through the ball. And it was, it was a nice ball, but I definitely had to extend kind of an open up across the middle. So I made a sweet catch and then like juke like three guys. And, uh, and then I was kind of holding the ball with my big mitts, just running like a local. <laughs> I was going to talk about that. Angle. I watched that clip. You gave me anxiety watching that, the way you're carrying that ball. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just tucked it in and kind of got tackled as I was about a yard or two over the line or, or no, I just reached over the line yeah. actually. Uh-huh. Now yeah. I think about it. I got a sweet still shot right down the line for the great cup winning touchdown. Uh, and which I, which I framed and gave to two people. So yeah, that's yeah it, was, uh, it was pretty exciting. And then that ended up being the winning touchdown. Yeah, so was, did you know at the time that, hey, like they got no chance? Or, I mean, to see a fail, you never know. And there, I think there was like 11 minutes left in the game. But uh, I, I just – in your head at the time, you didn't know that was going to be the game-winning touchdown. But now looking back on it, that's pretty uh, a unique story for you. And then you were the most valuable Canadian of the game. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was the most valuable Canadian that game. Yeah. Yeah, did you grow up as a kid just like, man, I want, a, I want a, one of those trophies – and uh, and then here you are on the stage lifting up the trophy, and I, I, that must have been so surreal for you. Just what what were you you know thinking about when you were up there? Like, did you know in the game after that touchdown where you're like, oh, I got a chance to win the most valuable Canadian? Uh, I didn't really think about it too much during the game, to be honest. I was uh, just trying to win and and raise the raise the, the uh, Grey Cup. So. Um, after the fact, they kind of came to me and told me that, and I was like, "Oh, okay." But I wasn't thinking about it during the game. But because of that, that year I did sort of realize that I was going to win it one of the other times, and uh, and so I kind of was like expecting it that time. But um, yeah, I always wanted to, you know, I always wanted to be a Great Cup champ. So that was the most important thing for me that day. And then getting the Canadian MVP was a cool little, cool little bonus. To, Icing uh, on the cake. Hey, and uh, yeah, and I ended up, I ended up buying myself a watch and getting engraved. So I got a little special memento with that one. That's awesome. Do you wear, yeah. do you wear your ring at all? Speaking engagement, uh, I do once in a while. I yeah, do, I do when I go to certain engagements. Yeah, with especially with kids. Um, if I ever come to Sask, like whenever I come to Sask, I wear it. And uh, in certain events, like certain charity events, and then things things with the youth, but not too often. But it gets it gets some use. I wore it a lot during that first off season for sure. Or actually, we didn't get it till the next almost the next season. So yeah. I wore it a lot that next season for sure. Like while we were still champs. But after we didn't win the next year, I didn't wear it as much. So this might be a little a little painful to bring up, but this is we're we're both quarterbacks on the podcast, so I wanted to talk about one of your uh, pass attempts in two thousand eight. <laughs> <laughs> the one in Hamilton, probably the interception. Yeah, the one in Hamilton. Yeah, I had a 
a little bubble screen, like double throw. And, um, and I, I actually had to like kind of juke somebody a little bit and step back and, and I just let it, let it launch, but I didn't really get it, <laughs> get a good handle on it. And I intercepted and it was, it was brutal. I had a few other pass attempts as a field goal holder throughout my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple completions and I know at least one touchdown, but, um, yeah, unfortunately that one didn't work out so well. And I think that was my first one. Is is that the position you'd want to play if you could like see the game from any other perspective? Quarterback? Yeah. I man, I I got a lot of respect for you guys. It's, they put in a lot of work, and it's a it's a. I, I would like to try it at that speed just to see what it's like because I played in high school, but it's that's quite a bit quite a bit different. Um, I'd also wanted to try you know like safety or something like that, or even defensive end. Yeah. I saw you led the yeah, you led the offense you. with defensive tackles in 2008. So yeah, I was wondering if you're going to talk about defense. I was the when I was in Saskatchewan, I was always the the emergency backup um, DB. Uh-huh. Like they would put me at field corner or something too, and and then also safety for prevent. But I don't think I ever had a tackle actually on defense. Those would have all been on interceptions. Or on uh, missed field goals, where I was the the holder and the oh. safety making the tackle. Were you on the okay. kickout team too? Sense. Were you were you one of the guys out there yeah. on the kickout team? Uh, yeah, I was on the kickout team. Yeah, in the end zone. My first year in Toronto, they put me on that kickout team. It is so nerve wracking. I mean, I I don't know about you because you handle the ball up more than I do, but I was back there like. Don't kick it to me. Don't kick it to me. Don't kick it to me. <laughs> you know, it's a game on the line. And I'm like, and then I got to punt it. And so, uh, yeah. Were you in many kickout situations throughout a 12-year career? I was on the field a few times, but I never had to punt it out of the end zone like that. Um, I did punt it as a receiver a few times to try to extend a play on the last play of the game. Mm-hmm. But it never worked out that well. <laughs> Oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah so you so, spent six years in, in Sask and six years in Hamilton. When your uh, six years were up in Sask, were you open to the whole market or you're like, I want to play for the uh, Thai Cats and that's my, because that's your, was your team growing up? Like, just take me through that decision of leave, leaving Sask and uh, going to play for the Thai Cats. Uh, well, I was um, I was actually pretty convinced I'd be staying in Sask, and that's what I wanted to do at the time. Um, it's just the way the cards fell that uh, Sask was sort of looking looking elsewhere and wanted to put attention uh, at a different position because we did have quite a few good Canadian receivers at the time. So I don't blame them, and uh, and I was looking for a bit of a commitment in that part of my life, like I wanted a three year deal. Yeah. And, uh, and they, in the new coach and the new staff coming in, didn't, didn't want to do it. And, um, and it just was like, it just didn't seem like it was, uh, you know, I was a priority for them or wanted, they wanted me to be there. So Hamilton was an option for me because it was close to home and that's where my, now my wife was. Mm -hmm. So we were, uh, we were long distance when I was in SAC. So that was tough. Um, but I didn't think it was going to happen at that point. I thought it'd be a few years later, if if at all. And it's just the way things kind of fell down, the way the cards fell, that it was the only decision that I could have made. And uh, and yeah, I was happy I did it. Like I enjoyed both 
both cities tremendously uh, for different reasons. But, um, you know, being home and having that reunion for my family and friends every every other week was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I think that leads me kind of into my next question was, give me your favorite thing. I'm kind of put you on the spot here. Favorite thing and least favorite thing about each uh, place you played in Sask and in Hamilton. Uh, well, my favorite thing for both would have been just the locker room. Yeah. You know, the, just the road trips, the locker room, the just the camaraderie with the guys working, working through different problem solving of, uh, of, of game film and, and going out and getting it done. And then just, you know, doing, doing little side games and bets and fantasies and this and that. But, uh, besides that, which is probably every athlete's answer my favorite thing about Basque is was the game day was the fans on game day it was it was nuts yeah. I really enjoyed my time playing there and I thought it was the best place in the league to play uh, my least favorite thing was probably that we we flew we flew commercial and like coach and most of the cities didn't have direct flights uh-huh. so we we would fly from like Montreal to Calgary back to so it would be the entire day <laughs> when they talked it and mm. it was kind of that was kind of lame yeah. uh and then in hamilton i would say my favorite thing was the, the family and friends reunion yeah. that i always had so a lot of people coming they always did the tailgate my family had a party bus so it was uh somewhere i could just after i said you know send my hellos and do my thing after the game go there and see everybody so that was uh, that was pretty special for me to be able to do that and uh, and have have all my family come you know the majority of the time. And my least favorite thing about there was probably um, I didn't I didn't quite have that same amount of off the field connection with the the teammates yeah. just because I had my own life there mm-hmm. and. Uh, so I wasn't, you know, every day just gaming and whatnot with the, with the boys. Yeah. I was more going home and doing grown up stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I kind of missed be doing me being in SAS doing that, but you know, it was a different part of my life. So that's what needed to get done at that point. Yeah. And I, I wanted to talk about your first year with Hamilton because you put up some pretty insane numbers. You had the most touchdowns of your career. Can you just kind of take me through like, was that a the change of scenery, something that helped that or like the different style of offense? Yeah, it was a strange year. I was a playing, I was playing a bit of a different position, a lot of tight end sets and um, just, we had a, a unique offense, but Henry certainly, Henry Burris was the quarterback. He certainly found me quite a few times in the end zone. And, uh, um, well, that's, that's one of my years that I kind of like, we didn't make the playoffs. So it's hard to look fondly on that year. Yeah. And I had one, one play in particular that I really, really regret, which was when uh, we were in Calgary, I think second last game of the year, I was the holder for a game winning field goal in the snow and ice. And I, uh, put the ball down on the tee and it slipped right down and we didn't even have a chance to kick it. So uh, we lost that game and we basically were almost mathematically out of the playoffs. And so I kind of let the whole team and city down. I felt like anyways, obviously there's lots of plays in the game as you know, but uh, 
Stock's going to come down to something like that. The holder is the mm-hmm. most thankless job. In, I, I, holder and snapper are the most thankless jobs in professional football, I personally believe. You know, they only notice you unless you mess up, right? Totally. Yeah, totally. that's tough. Uh, 2013, you played the the Riders in the Grey Cup. How was that experience? Were you, I mean, obviously it's the Grey Cup, so you're excited, but were you kind of like, oh, I'm going to show you guys? Uh, you had seven catches for 76 yards, which is pretty good for a Grey Cup, but uh, playing your old team in the Grey Cup, like just, you know, take me through mindset-wise, of you want to prove that hey I you guys missed out on a really good receiver here. Yeah, it was uh it was just a unique kind of week for sure. Um it was so cold all week long, so it was hard to really get out and see all the people you wanted to see and all the all the festivities of the Great Cup. Um but uh it was fun to play against my some of my old teammates and and uh and we just we got off to a rough start. We had a few bounces that went the wrong way, and the field was really icy, so we didn't have great traction. But that that was everybody, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it was one of those things where we felt like if we had a couple different bounces, it wouldn't have been such a lopsided game. Although you got to give them credit, they um, it was their year. They had a great great game, great team. So. You know, I was happy for for my old teammates and happy for the riders organization. It's been it had been a long time. Uh like we won in two thousand seven and then before that it was like I think eighty nine or something. So um it was nice to see them come back and win again and especially for Darian because we were really good friends and yeah. Uh he, he was it was just a you know, I think he was third string or something when two thousand seven. Yeah. So I was happy to see him win and um but yeah, it was like everyone treated me well there. I didn't have anyone booing me or anything, so that was a test. <laughs> so I, I enjoyed that, and my family came out, and so it was nice to get back into that area for sure for more than just a night. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and go ahead, Isaac. something about just just a quick question about numbers because you eclipsed the thousand yard mark by quite a bit in 2010, but you eclipsed the hundred reception total in 2016. Which one kind of felt more like, I don't know, affirming to you or like, which one did you, were were you more proud of, I guess? Uh, For me, the 2010 was uh, my biggest year um, because I was, I was getting one-on-one matchups and I knew, and they like both teams knew I was there coming to me and I was, you know, making it happen. So uh, having some of those big games and leading the league and receiving that year was, was, was special for me. So, uh, and then I won the great cup or sorry, the, uh, Canadian MVP that year and had decent playoff, decent playoff run. And we fell, we fell short that year to, uh, Montreal, but yeah, that was, that was probably my, my year where I said like I was at the top of my game, uh, mm-hmm. I was proud in 2016 because I sort of felt like I had a, a couple of years that I was on the decline a bit and I sort of restructured my, my training, my thinking and felt back in my prime again. Uh, and then uh, Zach threw me a lot of great balls that year. And, um, that was part of it. I, but part of it was also, I was on a lot of, a lot of the underneath plays, like sort of the, the sure pass plays. So, 
uh, where 2010, I would have been running a lot more corners and goes and a lot of big mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah, just, just a different kind of player, I guess. What, what's your favorite route to run? You got one route, one-on-one, great cup on the line. What are you running? Well, they, my, my most common one would be my option route, my 12-yard my option route. Pretty hard to stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I, that year I was running a lot of – I was even playing a lot of X and running a lot of, like, slants and running a lot of uh, goes and catching those. So I like those too. Um, just working somebody off the line. Yep. Fun. Yeah. Because at X, at least you get pressed, you know, more than most yeah. of the other positions. So you're allowed to work guys at the line as opposed to playing to the field, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, in, in May 2017, you had a only in the CFL moment where you signed at an administrative role with the Tie Cats. And then four months later, you signed a player contract. Uh, was that just because of your injury and they kind of wanted to keep you on or were you planning on just transitioning into that administrative role? And they're like, Hey, we, we need a wide receiver. Can you still play? It, it was, uh, no, it was more of my injury. They wanted to keep me on and, but I also wanted me around and helping the young guys and mentor them. So instead of just being a player, uh, they wanted me to not even, not even worry about trying to get on the field at the for the time. They wanted a few months to go by uh-huh. and just focus on helping helping the young guys. And uh, and of course, I was getting in my training in the off my off time, but I wasn't at practice. I wasn't you know working with the guys. I was just doing my own thing and making sure I got to like that nine month mark from an ACL injury because I wanted to come at six. And they said, no, we don't we don't need you right now. I want you you know in September. So. Um, that was the m- main reason for that. Uh-huh. Okay. And, and I kind of knew, like, I knew I was going to come back and play. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Cause I read that and I was like, what? That's kind of one of those, like <laughs> I said, only in the CFL moments. But uh, I, I'm always fascinated by this. You play 12 years professionally football. And anytime you play over, really five, but 10 years over is a really good career. Do you have any football, professional football regrets? that you look back on and you're like, I wish I would have done this a little bit different. Uh, well, I wish I, I wish I took my NFL experience a little differently. Um, with the Detroit Lions. Was that it? It was the Bears. No, the Lions, the Lions tryout. I I couldn't go to because of a, of an ankle, but I went to seven other tryouts and I got four offers and I signed with the Bears, but I, uh, you know, I sort of wish I went with one of the other teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's easy to say now. And at the time, I made the decision I thought was the best. Yeah, so it's no hard, to, hard to really regret that. Um, was that just because you yeah. felt like you would have had a, like looking back 2020 hindsight, you felt like you would have had a better shot or that you would have been taken more seriously with another team? Yeah, that's that's exactly it. I thought I looking back and putting the pieces together, like connecting the dots, I thought I made the wrong decision. Um, but like I said, at the time I obviously made that decision. So, mm-hmm. um, but it just, it just didn't work out the way I wanted it to and feel like I didn't really have the opportunity I wanted to. Yeah. But it was, you know, it is what it is. And at the time I almost, I'd almost given up on that dream anyways. And I was really happy playing in Saskatchewan. And that was right after that big 2010 season. So I had sort of 
told my agent I, uh, that I said, you know what, I'm happy here. I want to sign a long-term deal. And then all of a sudden I had that great season and all that, all those trials fell on my lap. So I said, well, I might as well try it. Yeah. Give yourself a shot. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you look at it over like, especially now it's kind of a worse circumstance, but all the guys basically that went from the CFL to NFL this past year, because they cut the rosters down, most of these guys are getting released before they even have a chance to step on the field for training camp. So it's just, it's harder. It's harder than I think what people realize. And sometimes you realize, you know, what you have in the CFL and you're like, man, I, you know, I might as well just play here as long as I can and not try and chase the money or ch chase the craziness of the NFL. So yeah, but but obviously for me and, and for many, I mean, you're Canadian, but most American guys, you grow up watching, or you did, but you grow up watching NFL your whole life and you're like, I can't wait to play in that league. I can't wait to play in that league. And you just want to give yourself a chance. And for you with the Detroit Lions thing with your ankle, you're probably like, man, I just didn't get my best opportunity. I want to give it at least one more go round, it seems like. Yeah, that's exactly it. You want to, you want to give yourself a chance to play in the best league and against the best competition and uh and make a name for yourself so um yeah i enjoyed my experience for sure going through all those tryouts and going through training camp um but it uh you know it would have been nice to to have it work out differently so yeah no it's doubt. Easy, to, easy to look back and think you could have done a few things differently yeah that's that's awesome that's what it's there for so i think we're going to transition to our final segment the the two minute drill um, so the way it works is we're going to give you some questions. Some of them we're going to need a little bit more detail. Some of them are going to be like a yes or no or a single word answer. So as quick as you want to go, uh, that's on you. Um, as detailed as you, we had Ricky Ray on here and he was so detailed and I'm like, Ricky, we're going for speed. And he was definitely not, <laughs> not doing that. So, um, <laughs> The way it works is I'm going to ask the first 10 questions and then Isaac will ask the next 10 and just so we can uh, kind of break it up that way. And I will not start the time until the first question is asked. Are you ready to go there, Andy? Ready to go. All right. Here we go. Is Canada longer east to west or north to south? East to west. About how many people live in Ch Chatham, Ontario? 45,000. How many receiving yards did you have in your CFL career? 8,300. What would you rather invest in, Fantu's Flake cereal or Fantu's Flake shampoo? Fantu's Flakes shampoo. What's the fastest you have ever drove a car? 210. Favorite hobby? Bowling. What annoys you? People that waste time. On a scale of 1 to 10, how cool are you? Nine. What's the worst job you can have? S snapper. <laughs> <laughs> go, Isaac. I stopped the time. Uh, I'll start after you, Isaac. Go ahead. Okay. What time did you go to bed last night? 11. Tell me your favorite one-line joke. Uh, I don't know any. I don't know. <laughs> if you played baseball, what would be your walk-up song? The Rockwilder. What's better, certificates or experience? Experience. Quality of life or quantity of life? Quality. What's the best advantage of being tall? Uh, you can see. <laughs> What's your least favorite beverage? 
Pop. Favorite Canadian bill? 100. Why? Because it's hardly ever wrinkled. The last time you laughed out loud? Yesterday. Morning person or a night owl? Mm, night owl. No, morning person. No. Yeah, <laughs> morning person. Yeah. Apples or oranges? Apples. Stairs or escalators? Stairs. Hot tub or hot shower? Hot tub. Time. Woo! That's the winner. 22, Andy. Let's yep. go. Yep. Oh. <laughs> Not messing the, around. One of the things that annoys them is wasting time. People that waste <laughs> time. I love that. Now I got to ask you, the fastest you ever drove a car was 210? What kind of car were you in? No, I lied. I lied. I, I forgot. 245. 245? <laughs> okay. Yeah. You yeah. When and where? On your door. It's kilometers. It's kilometers, not miles. Yeah, but still, oh. that, that's that's still hauling. Two forty-five. Yeah, I was in a I was in a Corvette in two forty-five, and and I honestly felt like it was almost going to flip in the air from the wind. Oh my god! Where I'd driven a Ferrari about two ten, and it was like glued to the ground and felt really safe. That's incredible. That's they, about one sixty-ish miles per hour, I think. That's hauling. We'll have to. <laughs> yeah, that is going. You're right on the yeah. uh, east to west is longer. It's 5,500 kilometers and north to south is about 4,600 kilometers. So that was pretty good. Chatham, Ontario had, how many did you say? 25,000? I said 45, 45. probably 43. No, it's like 106,000 now. 2019. Oh, that's Chatham, Kent. Yeah, they, is it, it's weird because Chatham, Kent's like a county. So oh. they include a bunch of cities and that it's like a gta sort of thing See, i learned something Chatham, 43 5 or 44 and you were dead on your receiving yards you had 83 63 so but the fan twos shampoo you're investing in that the flakes sold like hotcakes uh, yeah that was a mistake that was a mistake <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what it's all about I, I was just thinking that i you know with my gray hair now that i'd probably invest in <laughs> Well, we appreciate you being uh, here on the show, and uh, it was a lot of fun catching up with you and learning about your career. I mean, I came in the league in 2015, so I just caught the tail end, but um, just watching you work and being one of the top receivers in the league was uh, pretty impressive. So um, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your experiences. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you guys for a bit, and I appreciate you having me on. Always good to chat with some rider rider people, rider fans, so... Uh, hello, Rider Nation as well, I want to say. Cool. All right. Thanks, Andy. All right. Yeah, thank Have you. Good day, guys. Thank you for listening to The Rouge Report, presented by Young's Equipment. A Rough Rider podcast. You're listening to The Rouge Report, brought to you by Young's Equipment, your MacDon headquarters. When you're in the field this harvest, let MacDon lead the way. MacDon headers are built tough to deliver worry-free harvesting performance with any crop, in any condition, and on any combine. Remember to go to youngs.ca and use the podcast code ROUGE, that's R-O-U-G-E, for your chance to win a rider's prize package.